Coming at you all the way live from the lower bottoms of West Oakland. This is not a revolution podcast. We went through a little bit of a rebranding over the weekend, changing the name and changing some of the imagery. And our first guest for the new rebranded show is none other than Professor of Logic, Ben Burgess. Hey, nice to talk to you. Uh, author of a book that I have right here in front of me, Give Them an Argument, Logic for the Left. And also you have a, is your new book out or it's coming no, out? No, no, it's, it's coming out early next year. I actually just uh, turned in the final uh, copy edits for it. And, and the title is going to be uh, Canceling Comedians While the World Burns? Yep, that's right. A Critique of the Contemporary Left. Is there going to be a chapter about Dave Chappelle? <laughs> uh, not a whole chapter, but I do. Uh, I do talk about him in the first chapter. Oh, you started off. Do you start it off with Chappelle? Uh, I don't start off with him, but like a few pages in, I'm, I'm talking to him. The thing that I start off with because I, I just think it's uh, kind of grimly hilarious is uh, Joe Biden returning the donation from Louis C.K. Uh, because. Um, you think, okay, so, uh, you know, Louis C.K. is a, is a disgraced comedian, uh, you know, what, whatever you think about, you know, what he did and what a sort of appropriate punishment would be, uh, all of his sins involve masturbation. Uh, Joe, Joe Biden <laughs> was the leading Democratic advocate for a war that killed a million people in Iraq. In a mm. saner world, uh, Louis C.K. wouldn't want to be associated with Joe Biden, not the other way around. Thank you. <laughs> I, I did ask about Chappelle because uh, one of the frequent guests on the show actually opens for Chappelle. Oh, nice. Uh, a comedian yeah. by the name of Chris Riggins. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love, um, you know, I love Dave Chappelle. I actually got to see him do stand-up uh, way back, like, um, just before the third season of Chappelle show that never came out was supposed to come out. Uh, but... Um, but yeah, no, I, I talk at the, at the in the book, right? There's a you know the first chapter mm -hmm. is um, is about comedy, uh, and and then it kind of goes into a broader set of topics as it goes on. Uh, but in um, you know, but the, that first chapter is kind of about sort of what's going on uh, when people, you know, like morally politically critique uh, like decontextualized jokes from stand-up sets as if these were like statements from people running for the national political committee of DSA or something. <laughs> uh, and, and, and why we do that and, you know, what, what's going on there. And I, I think that, you know, what it says about the sort of weird relationship that American progressives have to, to comedy. Uh, and so I, I talk about a lot of um of things like the that bizarre like march to restore sanity that john stewart did which i think is sort of the flip side uh, of uh of all of that right that like people are willing to like march on washington because you know to uh, because a comedian uh, told them to exactly exactly it's like i, I was actually gonna ask you about that there was kind of a move i feel like what was that like the early 2000s 
um, where people were, were truly, and we're around the same age. I'm, I'm 42. I'll be 43 this year. Mm-hmm. Um, where people were literally getting their news from the daily show. Yeah. That's right. And they'd be very proud of that, right? Look at the- yes, yes. And it yeah. spawned like the careers of so many other people who they people still get their news. There are people that I know that get their news from Trevor Noah. Yeah, which is uh <laughs> so you know, God, I, I find it mildly mildly problematic. Yeah. God, at least uh, at least if you're getting your news from John Stewart, <laughs> you know, who's funny. Uh, <laughs> or or what's the Stephen Colbert? Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, that was, that was the thing. Like, I knew lots of people who'd, who'd, who'd watch that sol- solid hour of TV from eleven to midnight uh, for the uh, the Daily Show and Colbert. That was their that was their news intake, and and that was how the conversations also went. If you think about it, and then that was also in just my this is my opinion. When yeah. uh, what's like Bill Maher's show? What was the one on HBO? Oh, uh, Not, real time, real time. That's also when real time was was when people thought Bill Maher was still like a leftist. Yeah, which right, which is weird because a lot of the stuff uh, that you know people have kind of disowned him for now, you know, which mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, he really does have all kinds of terrible views, and he's also not very funny, right? Like, let's, <laughs> you know, uh, be clear on that too, right? Uh, I mean, I think he had his moments in the early two thousands when David Feldman was still writing for him, um, but. Uh, but you know, anytime you see him do stand up or even that little opening monologue at the beginning of the show, like he has no sense of timing. It's uh, it's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was yeah. never that funny to me. Yeah, no. Like I said, I think he occasionally had a good line, but I mean, you, but he, you can tell he's he's not a naturally um, you know gifted uh, comic performer to put it mildly. Uh, you know, like I mean, like he'll literally do this thing on real time where he'll like yell at the audience for not laughing basically <laughs> it's like oh yeah because like yeah he'll, he'll always interpret it as the audience being too pc to laugh it's edgy joke it's like yeah i don't think that's what's going on there, <laughs> uh, but You're uh just... yeah 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 but like um but but it is but that is really interesting wrote though that that bill maher with this same combination of views and like he was even like because i watched that pretty consistently at one time you know he he was even like a little ambivalent about whether he supported or opposed the war in iraq at the beginning right so it's like what's going you know what's going on there why did people why why how was the bar so low in the early 2000s that you know that people kind of thought that bill Barr uh was was a leftist and and i think it has to do with the fact that so much of that like anti-bush energy back then uh, mm, was was about this this sort of version of like sensible centrist respectability politics, anything that sounded like, um, you know, the grownups, you know, telling you know telling off uh, Bush uh, was was sort of accepted by liberals, even if what they were telling him off for was like <laughs> you know that he hadn't sent enough troops to Iraq, you know, to, to get the job done. <laughs> But but yeah, that, and then conversely, right? Then like something like Chappelle, when you get the uh, especially, um, I think still his last one, Sticks and Stones, um, that you know, like a lot of the the reaction to that. Um, I mean, I guess it, you know, partially it tells you something about how different the cultural moment is. Uh, was like bizarrely literal in like the way that you would expect from somebody who worked for like a Romanian censorship office in the seventies, 
like he uh you know like he he has a joke on there where he says i'm a victim blamer you know what's uh what what, what i heard about michael jackson my first reaction was what were those kids wearing uh-huh. And, and like there were literally people and not just like idiots on Twitter, but there were there were like comedy reviewers and salon, you know, publications like that uh, who were like, oh, my God, Dave Chappelle, you know, said, you know, was, I guess he was trying to be edgy. He told a very offensive joke about Michael Jackson's victims. Like, really? Like, you know, where, like, where were you guys watching? You know, you know, what's funny about that. And I don't know. Did you have cable as a, as a young kid? as like a young junior high teenager. No. Nah. Oh, so you never watched like uh, the HBO Comedy Hour, and then uh, when they had a uh, Deaf Comedy Jam, you never watched any of those. No, no, I, I the, the first HBO I watched was uh, was was much later on, and that was like going to a friend's house who had HBO. <laughs> you were one of those kids. That oh came yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you get a if you get a wild burr in your britches, and uh, I guess I think it's I want to say it's Prime has all of the 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 deaf comedy jams and and uh i grew up in in uh i'm from oakland california grew up in a city called richmond california you know kind of the epitome of the inner city it was definitely the comedy that we appreciated because we couldn't watch it normally um and all they did i want to say for like the first couple years was tell really fucked up michael jackson jokes <laughs> like way more fucked up than the Chappelle one yeah <laughs> And I'm talking about guys that are mega celebrities now, from Martin Lawrence to Eddie Griffin on down. Yeah. You know, that that was just kind of the thing of the day to do was to tell a Michael Jackson is a pedophile right. <laughs> uh, joke in the, in the black community. So the fact that Chappelle told a pretty... Yeah, whatever one. I mean, that's a self-effacing joke, right? I mean, like that's the yeah. That, joke is not at the expense of Michael Jackson's victims. It, not at all. Not at all. So that's that's that. I, I find that interesting that that people were that mad about the Michael Jackson joke, which for us was like, oh yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like the main thing people were mad about in the, in the special was was the uh, was the transracialism joke. Um, yeah, yeah. But but like even there, I feel like you know it, it's like there's a difference between the way you'd explore a topic in a stand-up set of the way you'd explore it in an essay, right? Like, you know, it's, it's not, yes. He, he's not arguing for a conclusion. He's, <laughs> he's, he's exploring like some ambiguities around like a hot button issue, you know, for like comedy, you know, that, that's, that, that just seems like a lot of the reaction to that just really didn't seem to get that distinction. And and I wanted to get into this uh, with you real quick, and I, and I know we don't have a lot of time. Um, and you just wrote a very long Twitter thread on this uh, that I was talk I was checking out actually before before I got a hold of you, mm-hmm. which was this whole this whole debate about cancel culture, yeah. which is kind of blowing up. I had uh, Robbie Martin was here actually in studio with me the other day, and we kind of sort of talked on it a little bit more so off air. Um, more so the people that had signed on to the the letter that we kind of had a lot of respect for, like the Chomsky's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Chris Hedges has a new piece uh, in Robert Shear's uh, journal about about this whole this whole cancel culture thing. 
What is your take on the way people are are reacting to the cancel culture letter? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, th- I think that some of it's pretty astonishing. Like, uh, like Freddie DeBoer uh, had a had a blog post about how you know worried it should be that mm-hmm. uh, that this pretty generic statement of support for free speech is taken automatically as an anti left thing. You know that uh, like especially because historically, um, you know the you know, the left has, has been all about free speech, right? You know, Norman Thomas, you know, is the Socialist Party candidate for president uh, many times, uh, was one of the founders of the ACLU, the free speech movement at Berkeley, was one of the kind of things that kicked off, you know, the new left. Um, and, uh, and increasingly, one of the things that bothers me, and now I would, I do, I would say that I'd, I'd, I'd separate out the topics of free speech and cancel culture. They're related and I think that I think that cancel culture can raise free speech worries, especially when it's combined with um, basically the the way that non-unionized workplaces are set up, where you can just be fired mm. arbitrarily mm-hmm. for anything. Uh, but you know, they're still distinct, right? You know, like I I, I don't want to make those the same thing because I I don't think that clarifies anything. But um, but I I think that you know. On the on the free speech stuff, right? You know that like that that's something we we should be worried about, right? In fact, um, that you know that the left, in some ways, you know, if it stops gaslighting people by telling them that the problem doesn't exist, uh, you know, then you know could actually be in a position to um, to better address that, right? Because none of the conservatives or libertarians complaining about this stuff actually want to do anything about the workplace problem. Uh, whereas, you know, whereas the left could say, no, it is a problem that, you know, controversy allergic employers can fire people for over Twitter bullshit with no due process. Um, but the solution to that uh, is getting rid of at will employment, expanding labor unions, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, not that anybody, I'm not being an absolutist about this. You know, I, I you know, if, if you're, there are, depending on what exactly you said and what your job is, there might be cases where it's actually legitimate that there might be some work, you know, consequence, but again, you know, that should be, should be due process for that. Um, you know, if, if you're the, uh, you know, if you work for the equal opportunity employment commission and, and you've been, you know, and, and you've been posting about the superiority of the white race, then sure. That's a, that's a problem, right? <laughs> uh, you know, but, <laughs> If on the other hand, right, you know, you, um, you know, you, you work at just a normal job and, 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 you know, what you posted is, is, and, you know, ambiguous at worst as it is. And, you know, in, in many of these cases, uh, that it would be nice to have some, uh, some protections there. Uh, but on the larger issue of, uh, of cancel culture, uh, I think that, there's this weird tendency that a lot of leftists have now to just say, Oh, that doesn't exist. You know, it's, it's a, it's a right-wing myth, uh, which is funny too. Cause like they'll specifically do this thing where they'll, where they'll play dumb about the concept. You know, like, well, what do you mean canceled? Cause here I see you talking about ContraPoints and she still has a successful YouTube channel and, you know, uh, you know, various people you can point to whose careers haven't been ruined. And it's like, okay, if what you mean by canceling is that somebody 
no longer has a job or any supporters or friends and they're scrounging for scraps of food in the dumpster, you know, because they've been totally exiled from society, <laughs> then yes, nobody has ever canceled. But you can kind of play that game with a lot of social problems, right? That, uh, that you know, oh, um, you know, that, uh, you know, mistreatment of workers doesn't exist anymore because, you know, we, we're, you know, people aren't literally locked inside sweatshops, you know, like they, uh, like yeah. They Why are you whining about being homeless? You got an RV. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, and it, it seems like what we're really talking about, we're talking about cancel culture is a few different cultural trends that kind of come together to make people much more hair trigger about uh, denouncing and shaming people publicly. And, you know, what I kind of think of sometimes as mutual surveillance, um, mm. like, you know, for example, there's a, uh, you know, there's a former writer who used to work at The Intercept, you know, who spent, who like just recently spent like three days, you know, going off in this very popular, you know, very um, widely followed Twitter uh, rants about how Glenn, you know, Glenn Greenwald's uh relationship with his husband is exploitative because of the age gap uh jesus christ is that the lee fang guy uh it's not lee fang uh i think lee fang still works at the intercept but it was, it was one of the other writers i don't remember oh god anyway i, I don't remember yeah. the I, was, it was yeah, one, yeah. I don't remember her name but um you know but like it's it's this you know it's that kind of thing and i think part of it is just about social media uh, uh -huh. because you like this isn't a coincidence, right? It, it's like uh, these platforms are owned by for-profit corporations, mm -hmm. and and they're designed to be as addictive as at all possible. That's the point. Uh, and and one of the ways is that they've got these these feedback loops uh, where if you post certain kinds of things, you know, you get this instant validation of you know likes and retweets that provides an incentive uh, for you know, certain kinds of like denunciations, you can get those rage likes. Uh, and, and that's, that is a big part of the problem. Uh, and that's and certainly not confined to the left. Uh, there are lots of cases like, um, I don't know if you remember Lindsay Stone. Uh, so uh, I was a, you know, fairly prominent case from, um, you know, several years back of, uh, this girl, uh, Lindsay Stone, who'd been, um, who she and her friend would go around to different places posing for jokey pictures. They posted on Facebook where like 10 people would see it, whatever, you know, I mean, this wasn't a public figure at all. Uh, and they did one where she was, you know, at Arlington National Cemetery and she was in front of the silence and respect sign. And obviously she wasn't actually saying anything, but she was like for the joke, for the picture, she was posing like she was yelling. Uh, oh. and, um, and then, uh, and like this woman's life was ruined, like, you know, cause there was like years of, you know, like, wow, like, like there were, you know, like, you know, there were years where you Googled Lindsay Stone, right. You know, and this is all you would find is people getting mad about this stuff, you know? So she's talking about how she, you know, it was, it was a problem, like getting jobs because, you know, playing an interview for a job, you know, they're going to Google you. That's what they're going to find. And, you <laughs> know, you know, it was, uh, like she felt like she couldn't go out on dates. Cause like, you know, something was set up, the guy would Google it. That's what he find. Right. <laughs> wow. So that's like a really extreme case. And again, that's on the right, you know, that's like conservative veterans. Um, 
But I also think that there's a version of it that we've got on the left that's maybe a particular problem for us uh, because um, because it intersects with another problem that we have, which is that I think for a very long time, leftism, like really anything to the left of liberalism, was so marginal, especially in the United States, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that we kind of got used to thinking about um, politics just as this like performance of individual moral commitment. Cause that was all it was right there. There wasn't, you know, like, like you couldn't have in, in 2004, right. You couldn't have had a Bernie Sanders run for no. president and win a bunch of States, no. um, much less anything more radical than that. So, uh, so all you could, you know, you could count basically your choices in practice where you could be a liberal or you could like sit on the sidelines rereading Noam Chomsky. Uh, <laughs> so, in that atmosphere, right? Anybody, you know, who like us, right? You know, kind of went for the, the second option, um, you know, that, you know, it got really easy to think of politics, not as a serious attempt to change the world. Cause that really wasn't very much in the cards back then. Um, but as like taking purely just taking a stand, you know, like I'm registering my opposition to all the horrible shit going on. And, the problem is that when you kind of take that first problem, right, you know, cancel culture in that broader sense, just because of the way that social media is, especially as, you know, in this incredibly atomized neoliberal hellscape where this is one of the few ways that a lot of people feel a sense of connection with other people. Uh, when you combine that with this sort of way that even though there are obviously a lot more openings for the left now than there were back then, we still have all these bad habits left over from that. And if you're kind of used to thinking of, of politics purely as taking a moral stand, and then we've got this new social media hellscape, it's not mm. hard to see how the combination of that can get really bad really quickly. And that's particularly a problem. Uh, not so much, you know, like I think oftentimes the debate about this stuff on the left gets you know, is, is framed as this thing of like, oh, um, is this person who was yelled at a lot on Twitter, are they a martyr or should we not care about them because they're fine? And look, I think that a lot of that is a pretty toxic way to treat people, but also uh, in some sense, sure, most, most of the time people are fine. Uh, I think the larger reason to be concerned about this is because if we're acting this way, most people who don't think and talk and tweet about politics all day get one look at this stuff and they very understandably want to have nothing to do with us. Yeah, I, you know, I was watching, uh, I rewatched actually your video that you did uh, for Zero Books about Adolf Reed getting his uh, his speech canceled yeah. um, by the DSA. Yep. And and that really that really hit hard for me because I feel like there is, and maybe I'm wrong for feeling this way. You tell me. I feel like there's a resurgence of people like Adolf Reed, and I don't know if it has a lot to do with his son starting to kind of blow up in the intellectual world, but you know, people didn't really talk about him too much during the Obama era. The way that he's getting, you know, he's on Rolling Stone show now. Yeah. That's true. That's true. You know, imagine hearing Adolf Reed 
in the early 2000s when he when, when he was first writing these books uh, and saying these things about the Obama administration. Yeah, well, actually, uh, even if, if you read class notes, um, he actually, I, I think he, he might get the ribbon for, you know, being the first leftist writer who, who even wrote about Obama because mm-hmm. uh, uh, he's, he's got this line in there. He doesn't say his name, but it's obvious who he's talking about about how there's this guy who's running for like the, the state house or something at that point, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, who, who combines this kind of vapid neoliberal politics with a certain kind of, neo, you know, uh, community organizer, you know, way of presenting things and, you know, whatever. So it's like, yeah, he, he saw Obama, um, and, you know, like, and, and kind of recognized the Obama phenomenon, you know, probably earlier than maybe like, literally anybody else. did. I want to say it was like 13 years before. Yeah, and, like and you know, and guys like him, and, and and let's be honest, Cornell West for a long time. Yeah. people when people cancel Cornell West in the black community. I can tell you for sure when Cornell West came out and said not positive things about Barack Obama, that poor man got quote unquote canceled by yeah, a lot yeah. of people. Yeah, right. Well, you know, because I mean, obviously, you know, people were like excited you know so like i mean it's the it's the first black president it's huge so yeah i think there was probably a while there with you know cordell west saying uh honest and blunt things about obama's politics probably you know went over about as well as um i don't know you know chomsky talking about palestine went over the jewish community in the 1980s it it still goes over bad still which is which is which is crazy when you think about it. You know, um, we have the, these these uh, black intellectuals that are I, I feel like are finally getting a bigger platform. Um, I definitely appreciate it, but to see someone like Adolf Reed get uh, quote unquote canceled, actually he did get canceled. They actually canceled the yeah, damn. Yeah, they actually literally canceled his talk. They li- he literally got canceled, so he can actually say it, it literally affected my my pocketbook. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if he was getting a speaking fee for that, but yeah, right, totally, um, yeah, which, which you know, which absolutely does happen, and you know, and, and people, people get fired. Uh, of course, usually people who get fired are you know nobodies, um, but then that's a really bad dynamic because, of course, anybody you've actually heard of. Uh, probably weather the storm, right? Because <laughs> like, you know, yeah, they're already prominent, right? Which then leads people to say, "Oh, what are you, what are you complaining about? It's fine." You know, do, do, you, yeah. do you think it's kind of like people like J.K. Rowling and and the likes yeah. of that, like these these mega, super large, gajillionaire yeah. stars, that when they say the wrong thing and there's a media backlash, they just kind of get their feelings hurt that they're hearing bad things about them for the first time? Uh yeah. I mean, look, I'm sure there's some truth to that. Um, I mean, I think that the J.K. Rowling case is a little bit interesting because, look, don't get me wrong. Uh, J.K. Rowling is an idiot. Like, she, you know, she she wrote some very entertaining books, but, like, <laughs> every, every, you know. And that's where it stops. <laughs> I mean, every time she's ever, like, long before people canceled her about this new stuff, every time she ever opened up her mouth about politics, it wasn't good, right? Uh, you know, but um, – you know, she was a big Corbin hater and whatever, but um, but it is also and 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 also don't get me wrong. If anybody will be fine, J.K. Rowling will be fine, right? Like just fine, yeah, yeah just she'll, fine. She'll be totally fine. Um, you know, she she you know, I mean, you know, she'll she'll have her uh, 
her Scrooge McDuck in a pile of cold, gold <laughs> cords to, to swim around in, you know, when this is all over. Uh, but uh, I it is also a little weird if you look at the way that people online talk about J.K. Rowling, because the way that that people treat her as as like the world's biggest turf, which is supposed to stand for trans exclusionary radical feminist, but in practice on the internet, what turf means is w- woman who is transphobic, right? <laughs> but <laughs> uh, like I don't know if anybody ever claimed that J.K. Rowling is trans, you know, was radical feminist, and also like don't get me wrong, she has said some stupid shit about this issue. But also, as far as I know, um, J.K. Rowling has never misgendered anybody. She's never insisted on calling somebody who you know wants to be called with one pronoun a different pronoun. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, she's never advocated any laws about who can use what bathrooms. Uh, you know, she she's you know she said that she's concerned that doctors. Um, aren't, um, you know, aren't uh, cautious or, you know, or, or discriminating enough in, in handing out puberty blockers. Uh, but she's also said that medical transition is absolutely the, the right, you know, to, sorry, I should say specifically to uh, like prepubescent, right? Uh, trans mm-hmm, kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but she, but she's also said that medical transition is absolutely the right option for some people. All of which makes me think, well, if she's really the world's biggest transphobe, right? Uh, transphobia is not what it used to be. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, I mean, I and like, like, really, like, 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 there is something a little bit weird about this. That, like, in a world full of people who don't, who don't accept those kinds of basic progressive positions on this issue, you know, which which I just outlined, mm-hmm. um, that that there's so much hate about J.K. Rowling about this, and I can't help but think that part of that is like just you know she's she's such a um she's such a huge name that like any you know people are pay you know like her pronouncements about this are under um are paid attention to in a different way right than than anybody else's would you know maybe even some politicians would uh and Part of it has to do with those feedback loops built into social media that kind of once the um, once the crowd kind of like smells blood, you know, then they, that it's self-sustaining. Yeah. Uh, but it's also like there's also something that kind of takes us back. And I know I know you wanted to. Uh, we can we can talk for a little bit longer. By the way, I, I know we've I, I know you know because we've both been enjoying this. I know we've both been. Uh, Get into all this other stuff, and you wanted to ask. Thank you, thank you. You wanted to ask about give them an argument, but just real quick, like uh, I was going to say that uh, part of it also gets us back to John Stewart and the the March to Restore Sanity, right? Like, Mm -hmm. because why does anybody care what the woman who wrote the book about the boy wizard thinks about this topic? That's what I okay. This I'm going to read you a line from Hedges' uh, essay again. I don't know if you read it. I think it just came out today. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It says this. I just want to get your take on this. The cancel culture, shorn of class politics, is the parlor game of the overeducated. 
if we do not examine, as Theodore Adorno wrote, the quote-unquote societal play of forces that operate beneath the surface of political forms, we will be continually cursed with a more ruthless and sophisticated form of corporate control, albeit one that is linguistically sensitive and politically correct. Yeah, um, that, you know, like I said, I, I haven't read the essay, but but that, that sounds right. Uh, and I, I think that in particular, uh, that that phrase, right, that corporate control thing is is a really important aspect of this um, that gets like really short shrift in a lot of discussions about this uh, because people who are in the, oh, what are you talking about? None of this is a problem, you know, mm -hmm. can, uh, love the word accountability, right? Like that's, that's the oh. word for discussing this, right? You know, that, that, oh, this isn't, you know, cancellation. This isn't this, this isn't that. It's accountability. Uh, and, and like really to an extent, that's like a little bit creepy. Like it, you know, it, it remind not that these things are remotely equivalent, obviously, uh, but like just rhetorically, like it remind like it's like God. Suddenly, we used to yeah, I start talking about accountability. You sound like Republicans defending mass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So like uh, suburban parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly right. <laughs> and it's like, well, well, you do realize that this accountability you keep talking about that that the people holding the people holding the problematic accountable in this scenario are the corporate overlords, you know, who control mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, Google and Twitter and YouTube and, you know, and all these other things. Uh, and it seems really short-sighted uh, to think that, you know, that, like, as we sort of cheer them on for, for deplatforming people that, that we don't like, it's like, well, well, you do realize that these guys aren't your friends, right? Like, they're, they're not going to, uh, yeah. you know, the, the second they they see you know they see the left as a serious threat i mean not that we haven't seen this already to a certain extent you know like there are plenty of cases of you know left wing videos that have been taken down for ridiculous reasons by youtube and things like that but uh, but we could very easily see this to a much greater extent right i mean like the the mccarthy era you know some of that was that um you know congressional you know um committee hearings and Senate committee hearings, of course, that was what McCarthy himself chaired. Uh, and and there was a carceral aspect because people who refused to testify, you know, could be um, jailed for contempt of Congress. But most of what McCarthyism was, um, was private employers maintaining private blacklists. Like that's, that's, that's the, that's what the heart of it was, right? Like if, if you watch, if you watch Trumbo, right, you know, like that, that wasn't, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Like that, that wasn't primarily about the state doing anything. That was primarily about the Hollywood studios taking away communist writers, livelihoods. Destroyed Paul Robeson. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know. absolutely. Right. I mean, to, to kind of an extent that's ludicrous to look back on it now, um, you know, to, you know, like the, yeah, the extent to which you know he was destroyed by that is is kind of amazing. It's also amazing, by the way. Uh, I, I taught for for years um, at uh, as an adjunct at uh, Rutgers, and now they love him, right? Like they're so proud of the fact that Paul Robeson mm -hmm. is a Rutgers alum, and there's all you know, there's like Paul Robeson stuff at the university bookstore. You know, it's like, man, uh, I am guessing that you guys. 
uh, we're not talking about him this way when he was alive and a victim of McCarthyite repression. Where did he go to to live? Was it France or was it a Scandinavian country? Uh, I think France, but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not- I, I, for, I forget. I'm I'm reading Gerald Horn's book about about Robeson, and you forget how much of a real life superhero he was by everything he did. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, amazing athlete. What do you play football? Oh and, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Singer, actor. Like he, there was there was nothing he didn't do to the great level of doing it. Right. Even as a humanitarian. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that is it, right. It's sort of one of those human beings who makes everybody else feel like a slacker, you know. It's like Oh hell like, come yeah. on, you know, be not good at something. <laughs> <laughs> and he got real deal canceled. And so like you said, so many uh socialist writers and, and got canceled in Hollywood too. Or people deemed to be Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or where, yeah, right? Or even just people who um you know, maybe they weren't, you know, party members or even necessarily fellow travelers themselves, but they just weren't willing to cooperate with the process. Yeah, that's in, that's insane. That is totally insane. Um, real quick, yeah. I know I know you're busy. Um, another thing, yeah. I I, I watched. Uh, this was a while back. I don't, was this even last year? Time is moving all weird right now in the age of COVID lockdown. I I know uh, this the the days and frankly months blur together. It's ridiculous. You were on some guy's show, man, that I have never heard of. Okay. Uh, called you're doing it now again. Uh, <laughs> named Jesse Lee Peterson. Oh my God! Yes. Uh, yeah, that was like. Um, God, when was that? That was like a year and a half ago or something. But was it that long ago? Yeah, because I, I don't still- know. I don't know any black people that know him, man. <laughs> so don't feel bad. Yeah, yeah. I was I was still living in New Jersey, so I think that would have been like um well, certainly more than a year ago. Yeah, no, that guy is um uh, yeah, no, he's he's something else. Like uh do you like so maybe like like I will say something by the way for anybody who's seen this. This is really a cautionary tale in uh in in in, in agreeing to to go on shows without doing any research on them. His <laughs> <laughs> producer reached out to me. He sort of described in a very misleading way, right, what the show was. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, right? And then, like, the night before I did it, I looked at his Wikipedia entry. I was like, oh, wow, this guy has some crazy right-wing views. All right, well, it's not going to be a friendly interview, but whatever. I, I've done hostile interviews. I can do it, you know? And then I came on the show the next day and like, whatever, I thought it was going to be, you know, cause like what I, once I got a sense of like what his politics were, I was like, all right, well, I, you know, I guess it'll be a debate. That's fine. But like, I figured it would be an actual debate where like I no. talked for a little while, he no. went heard and then he talks for a little while, you know, and turns out what it actually was, um, was this guy who bears a striking, um, you know, basically the the real life version of Uncle Ruckus from the Boondocks. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, kind of <laughs> asking me these like bizarre "Have you stopped beating your wife yet?" style questions, <laughs> and, and 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 then and then I started being like, "Well, actually, Jesse, I don't think that you know, I don't the premise that quite right." He's like, 
Why are you running? You want beta bell? Beta! <laughs> there was nothing you were gonna tell check it. And I don't know, I don't know if your homies have taken you aside and, and, and given you this this heart to heart. So uh with our new burgeoning friendship. Um, I am a touring musician and I do go to the East Coast quite often, so hopefully we can meet up and have deep dish pizza. Uh there are people in this world that when you are a white dude that comes off super educated, they're just not, you're the enemy and they're not going to listen to you. And it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter how right you are. You're just going to be wrong. And that was that show. And I watched that, that clip that I think Michael Brooks played. And, you know, it was funny because homie just wouldn't stop yelling. (laughs) <laughs> but I know guys like that, right? Yeah. I grew up in, in with people like that that don't even realize how far right their views are. Yeah. Like, I don't think he thinks he's, like, super-duper right. Maybe he does. I don't know. I mean, he makes a living off of it. Yeah. A, a pretty comfortable living off of it, but, yeah, but it was... Who would say some of the same things who don't. It, it, it's, it's so... That was... There was nothing you was going to say. You was right all day long. It didn't matter. Beta! (laughs) I was like, God damn. (laughs) Like, that's some borderline. Like, that shit, real talk, would have been some borderline. If it was face-to-face, like, hey, man, I ain't going to be too many more than beta males. You got one more beta male, and then this shit's going to get hella real. And you just might get the fire slapped out of your ass for calling me a goddamn beta male. <laughs> so I watched that shit and I was like, I was like, man, if I ever meet the homie Ben Burgess, I'm going to tell him this. If you ever do that again, just have me. I'll be, I don't have to say anything. I'll just write your responses to you or I'll do it. We'll have like an earpiece. We'll do like the, the new age Cyrano shit. Tell him he ain't shit and he's from an ain't shit family. (laughs) (laughs) So that's that's the only way to handle cats like that because he's not any and I was like, don't I was I'm yelling, you know what made me even more mad? I'm yelling at the TV for you to say something else. (laughs) <laughs> like it's gonna happen. <laughs> Cause I I knew I saw like no, you gotta you gotta do this thing, Ben. So I'm sorry. I just I I I had to bring that. I'm not trying to clown you. I'm just letting you know that next time that happens, just hit me up on Twitter. I'm like, hey, I got you. I'm gonna be in your ear and I'm gonna give you some good ones. I'll even call up my comedian friends. We'll just have just hot fire insults to throw at cats like that if they try to get at you again. We got you back. <laughs> Appreciate that. <laughs> so is there anything uh, before we go? Is there anything else uh, you want to promote other than your current book? Give them an argument. Logic for the left that I love. Um. No, uh, I mean, I, I guess. Well, here, let me let me just do the quick version. Uh, sure. So, um, anybody who wants to see 
the rest of what I'm up to, uh, as far as videos and articles and everything else, um, you can just go to benburgis.com. So that's B-N-B-U-R-G-I-S.com. And, um, and that's a lot more succinct than rattling it all off. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, no, this, this is a lot of fun. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to play some music real quick. Please don't hang up.